So, let me get this straight. There's a, a plague that's wiping out everybody except the Indians. Of course, you know, we were the first ones here, we the last ones to leave. That's fucking poetic justice. SJ, Estongo, Ajibus, Legabasji. Hey, it's Tyler back with another episode of Skoden Cinema. On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Wichita-based filmmaker Roderick Pokawatchit. Uh, for those of you who happened to catch last month's episode, he is the writer, director, uh, lead, uh, editor of the seminal 2011 Native American zombie film, The Dead Can't Dance. And if you haven't had a chance to see that movie, get thee to YouTube. You know my mantra. And watch it. Support these Native filmmakers. But Rod was gracious enough to sit down and, and talk with us, just sort of about the process, um, how we got into film, um, and uh, kind of what he shoots on, and, and kind of where he sees Native representation going today, and, and why that is so important. Uh, you're going to hear in the interview, uh, i, I got to be honest, I don't get starstruck too often, but uh, being in the presence of this filmmaker, I tell you what, it kind of rattled me. I'm not going to lie to you, uh, I had a whole list of questions that I wanted to ask him, and I don't even think that I got to half of them. Um, but Rod was so patient and so gracious and just a wonderful guest. So enjoy the interview, and then we'll be back to sum it up and wrap it up and tell you about what we got coming up uh, next. Mudo. SJ, Ajayabus, welcome to the second uh, Skoden Speaks episode. <laughs> it's my honor to have uh, one of the most innovative uh, filmmakers uh, currently um, out there today, Mr. Roderick Pokawatchit. He is Comanche, Pawnee, and Shawnee. Uh, he's a Wichita-based uh, filmmaker. He's a producer, director, and writer. Uh, he has made over 23 independent films. I think so, yeah, right? short films. Short films, yeah. Short films, and then how many features? Uh, four. Four. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, <laughs> we just got finished talking about The Dead Can't Dance, and so I reached out to him, and he was – uh, more than been gracious to to spend some time with us on Skoden Cinema. So welcome, Mr. Pokawatchit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess just kind of tell us, you know, um, a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started. Uh, sure. Um, I got started uh, kind of by accident. I have a, uh, a huge theater background all through college and high school, directed some plays in college, things like that. And uh I did a little bit of performing. I was trained as an actor mostly, and I did a little performing in some different plays around town. And but uh, I wanted to make a movie. And at the time, a kid from Kansas just didn't go to film school. You know, it just didn't seem like a viable option. So, but uh, I got a started a career as a journalist, and then a few years in, I got not bored, but 
just creatively, I wanted to do something, you know, do something on my own. And uh, so I decided to make a movie and I wrote a script and that first script got me involved with the Sundance Institute. Uh, I went through some of their writing labs and then uh, that became my first film, uh, Dancing on the Moon. Uh, it's a road trip comedy drama uh, about three guys who get lost, uh, break down on their way to a powwow, uh, which, you know, always happens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from there, I just uh, kept pursuing filmmaking, uh, writing and directing, uh, made uh, a family drama after that. And then uh, The Dead Can't Dance, which was uh, a native zombie film. And then my last feature was called Red Hand, and it's a, a native time travel mashup sort of thing. That is awesome. So um, when you said you just like started, just sat down and just wrote a script, like <laughs> I, I just have to ask, like, that's not an easy task. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Like I mean, yeah, I, I debated about like quitting my job as a journalist and going to film school or just diving in and studying it on my own, which is kind of just how I do things. Um, so I, I studied. I mean, I read a lot of books and I did a lot of research and read a lot of screenplays and um, they all said, you know, screenwriting mantras, write what you know. And I grew up going to powwows and dancing and being, you know, really involved in my culture and heritage. So I, I decided to write a basic story in that world. Uh, and also like share that world with some people who might not, uh, you know, be, uh, privy to it or have access to it. So, Yeah. Uh, what was the kind of the, the reaction when you kind of put it out there? Were you, were you nervous uh, your first time out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was amazed that I got into these Sundance labs. Uh, you know, they're highly competitive. Uh, there was a one there was one for just native screenwriters. And then based on my rewrites, I got into the main screen screenwriting lab that happens during the festival. Um, so I was just amazed uh, that I was there with these people who had all this experience. And I was just this newbie kid from nowhere that, you know, I just that they kept asking me, are you from L.A. or New York? I said, no, I'm from Kansas. So like Kansas, how did you get here? You know, and I kind of felt like that. It was very daunting, but I, everybody was really cool, super supportive. And I learned so much. I mean, I still use what I learned during those screenwriting labs. It's a it's a lot of soul searching and it's a lot of. Uh, I mean, I thought I knew my characters, but, you know, we did a lot of character breakdown and, 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 and like I said, soul searching, because a little piece of you is in everything that you write and in every character. So, yeah, it was really, it was really great to learn that. Um, but, yeah, um, so I decided to make the film. I, I decided to direct it, even though I had, I had only directed some shorts, but I decided to just dive in. So I, I met all these people at Sundance, like a cinematographer, an actress, an editor, I brought them all to Kansas. We were going to make this film, shoot it on my friend's farm, because it takes place in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it was a disaster. Uh, it was not working. Uh, so I fired everyone, put them on a plane back to wherever they came from, and then uh, went back out and kind of camped with my family for a couple of weeks because uh, we were there already. And I kind of just mourned the passing of, of my film. But uh, I, I kept at it and uh, tried it again after another year. And then uh, that finally did become Dancing on the Moon. And at first it didn't do very well. And that was another new aspect for me was publicity. Like I thought after we finished the film that, you know, okay, I'm done. No, publicity is a promotion is a whole different aspect of it. And it's a whole animal beast unto itself. Um, so it was a lot of learning, 
but we finally did get into the American Indian Film Festival in San Francisco. I won an award. And uh, so after that, it just kind of took off and we just had a nice festival run for about a year or so. It was a whole big learning experience though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. I, I can't even imagine what that experience is like. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I went to the film school at OU uh, way back. This is, you know, mid nineties when everything was still, you know, cut and paste and um, you know, yeah. shooting on 16, shooting on 16 millimeter. Man. And then when you don't have access to those types of things, when you leave school and it's all on your own, like trying to find, you know, camera kits and light kits and, you know, it all adds up pretty quick. Oh yeah. So um, what, what do you film on? Cause I've, you know, I've only really um, seen the dead can't dance and. Yeah. I always, uh, I always try to like, uh, with every project or every film, I would try to add to my collection uh, equipment so that yeah, I, I had eventually amassed, you know, this, uh, none of it was, you know, top, top gear or anything, but, you know, we had a lighting kit, uh, we had, we had our own cameras, uh, our own audio equipment. Um, first, I started out on the Canon XL1, uh, which for its time was groundbreaking and sort of helped the digital revolution happened for filmmakers. Um, that was just when people were starting to experience with experiment with making, you know, movies on digital instead of film. Um, I had a couple. We shot a couple of projects with that. Um, the Dead Can't Dance used a Panasonic uh, HVX 200, and we used a lens adapter with it, so we could, you know, change lenses and get some greater depth of field. Um, and then recently. Um, we did a lot of shorts, uh, you know, switched to DSLRs, uh, Canon cameras for my uh, red hand feature. And then just recently I, I got a, it's called an Osmo pocket camera. It's tiny. It's tiny, tiny. It looks like a, looks like a microphone, um, but it's a gimbal. And I shot uh, my latest short film, Apocalypse Den. I shot that entirely with that gimbal. I designed it to take place up, you know, running up or downstairs so we could fully take advantage of, of, of the, of the gimbal, gimbal effect. Um, so yeah, it's it's changed through throughout the years just because cameras have changed and you know equipment has changed, uh, and it's it's tough to keep up with it, but uh, it's still changing for the better, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I see like a lot of people shooting, shooting more, more on, like on digital, digital video, video now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, GoPro. I mean, they've shot entire features with GoPro, uh, which is which is pretty cool. That, that actually was the inspiration for me shooting Red Hand because Red Hand is a lot of first character uh, views. Like you never see the main character's face. You only see what he sees. So uh, yeah, I, I was sort of inspired to use some of the technology in my stories. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, I guess want to talk about the Dead Can't Dance. So you said right after you did um, the powwow, uh, the strange, I was it Dancing on the Moon film. Yeah, uh, you said you did a series of short films, correct? Like it just sort of leading up to. Yeah, sort of I did. Um, yeah, one year I decided I had a goal to make ten short films in one year, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> but um, uh, it was mostly just to get us better honed. Everyone sort of has their jobs, you know, that they do, and it just kind of made us a better machine. Everyone just got really honed at their crafts, um, and also it was just kind of fun. It was a fun challenge. Uh, two, two or three of them that we made that year are still some of my favorite works that we've done. Um, we ended up making nine and then I, I 
made a blooper reel and, and counted that as the 10th. So uh, it was fun. It was a challenge, but it was definitely, you know, prepared us for, uh, for later journeys. And are all those available on your YouTube account? Not all, because some of them are absolutely horrible. <laughs> but some, <laughs> some of them are on my YouTube channel. Yeah. From, from yeah. that year when we, when we had uh, that goal. That's awesome. So I guess now we're at the Dead Can't Dance. Um, I came across this film just quite by accident, actually. It's just a small world <laughs> uh, about how I came in contact with this film or, or heard about this film. Uh, I had reached out to um, James Whitecloud, and I think that you're pretty good friends with, with James. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I had asked him um, about any, you know, just some sort of some suggestions because he's, you know, he's in the uh, industry, you know, if there's any type of, um, you know, contemporary Native American horror films that I should check out. And he said, that, well, I was in a, had a bit part in, in a, a movie in, about 10 years ago called uh, The Dead Can't Dance. And he said, uh, cool. you need definitely need to, to check that out. So I went to Amazon Prime and it was there. And so um, I purchased it and I watched it and laughed my ass off <laughs> the very first time. All right, I that's it. awesome. <laughs> so, um, and I, I started doing a little bit of research on it. And just the more I kind of started digging, the more I just, I fell in love with this movie. I oh, cool. have watched it honestly probably six or seven times since I purchased it. Um, cool. It is so funny, it's so unique. It is unlike anything that I have seen as far as like zombie films um, are concerned. So I guess um, my question is, how did that kind of come about? Well, uh, what I'll usually do is uh, I'll, I'll see a film or think about one of my favorite films and think, well, how can I put a native spin on that? You know, well, how can I, what can I do to, to, to make this native centric or something? But um, Shaun of the Dead had just come out. Uh, and it's one of, still one of my favorite zombie films because it is funny. It's hilarious, um, but it's also a zombie film. And, you know, and it, it kind of has some fun with the genre and kind of, you know, turns some, some stuff up or, uh, on its own. Uh, and so I thought, oh, how can I make a native Shaun of the Dead? Um, and I did a bunch of research. I uh, watched so many zombie films. There's so many genres within the genre i mean there's there's even zombie porn but i don't want to talk about that but um it's funny that the i found the best zombie films were about the survivors and not about either the apocalypse or you know or the zombies obviously um and that sort of humanized the story you know they all had to pull together to survive the night you know or get through this together and kind of put their differences aside for a minute and that's a it's that's kind of what native people do anyway. I mean, you know, they can have their differences or their arguments, but if something happens, they put that aside and help each other out and get through it. And then, you know, the next day they'll be mad at each other again or you know whatever. But uh, I kind of wanted to to make my story based on this uh, sort of family concept uh, about these bickering brothers uh, taking uh, one of their their kids to off to college who doesn't even want to go to college. I mean, so there's all this. One of the things I learned in Sundance is make it nasty, make it, you know, make it messy. Um, so there's all these conflicts already built into the story. And then you have the zombie thing happen and they don't know what's happening. Um, so that's even more conflict. So yeah, I just wanted to keep creating conflict and keep uh, 
keep, uh, but also I kind of wanted to say some things without hitting people over the head with a message. Um, one of them was I wanted to uh, sort of make a commentary on how history wasn't really taught very correctly in schools. Um, so I really wanted one of the locations to be an actual school. And it had a super tough time finding a school that would let me in. You know, as soon as I'd mentioned zombie, they're like, oh no, no, it slammed the door in my face. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And there's also, you know, when the white settlers did come, they did bring gen genocide and disease. And I thought, well, what could reverse that? You know, what, well, so I made the natives immune to the zombie virus because of, because of them, because of native people native doctors, whatever society lives on. So they're the heroes, you know? So I just, there's some other bigger picture things in there, commentary that, um, that I kind of say something and, and zombie films themselves are just ripe for commentary. Um, George A. Romero had fun doing that with his films. Um, so yeah, I just, there was so much that just was, I was drawn to with a zombie film. Uh, so I, and I, I'm surprised. I, I mean, I liked, I like zombie films. I like horror. I'm not a massive fan of zombie films, but you know, I like them. I, 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 I do. I'm a fan of the genre. Um, so I was pretty surprised that I was making a zombie film, but it's also like, I learned you got to pick a project that people want to get involved with and have fun. And so the minute we said, we're making a zombie film, people's eyes would light up there. Oh my God, can I be a zombie? Can I be a zombie? And, and we held some zombie auditions. We had a hundred, more than a hundred people, 200 people probably show up for zombie auditions and ended up using, you know, about 150 zombie extras. Um, nobody got paid. They just were there just for the fun of it. And it was a blast. I mean, it was a lot of hard work. We shot it over the course of four months. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a journey. And I would just like when all the zombies were getting in makeup at the school, I was walking around just like, you know, people were setting, you know, the, the crew, DP crew was setting up lights. Um, everybody was just doing their thing and just walking through the, like the extras waiting area and they're getting all their makeup. And my assistant director was holding zombie warm ups. I mean, you know, so all this was happening around me. I was like, oh, my God, how did I? how did I pull this up? How did, how, what have I done? Um, but it was super, super fun and super cool. And I'm still really proud of it. Uh, we just had 11th anniversary screening of it. And I hadn't watched the film in a very long time. I just haven't, I just don't sit around watching my movies, but it was really fun to watch it again and, and see everyone. It was kind of like seeing old friends, you know, um, it was kind of like a reunion and some people from the cast and crew showed up and went to, so it was, it was a reunion, but uh, it was, it was like a reunion with the characters, but, but yeah, thanks. Sorry. That was really long. <laughs> no, that is totally fine. I love it. Um, yeah. Just to kind of touch on what you were talking about earlier, like the, the, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Like every zombie movie has some sort of like social commentary to it. Yeah. And I did, you know, pick up right away about like the the family theme, you know what I mean? Like what you were talking about is like, you know, that you lay it out at the very beginning, like all three characters have, I don't want to say like a secret, but it's like, they have their own things going on. They have something, and yeah. They all have something going on. And then it kind of, it plays out as the film progresses, it all sort of plays out, you know, even <clears throat> right into the end where like, you know, you haven't seen the movie spoilers the the bat goes out i mean like you know what i mean so uh but i yeah. love the idea of what you were talking about and I, I sort of did kind of pick up on that pretty quickly in the film is like 
you know, these guys don't get along. There's always been like sibling rivalry and um, they're either fighting with each other. They're fighting about Eddie. They're fighting about, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's uh, constant. Yeah. 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 But soon as that apocalypse hit, like all of that, like you said, it went to the side and they were focusing on, you know, helping each other and getting each other out of there. And so I, I just, I really loved that. And I guess, you know, now that you say it about, you know, when you were in the school, they had that dream sequence, you know, with Eddie, with the teacher kind of, you know, um, putting him down or, or, you know, making him feel, um, you know, like he's not worthy to go to college. And right. I have to ask you, the book says rewriting history was that just a luck that that's what the name of that history book was called or did somebody design that no that was that was written in the script a book called rewriting oh, okay history. and uh yeah my art director uh yeah designed designed that book cover it's it's a really i think it's really a dictionary or something but, oh uh, it was yeah, she did yeah something, it's something like that but she does she designed the book cover yeah because i was like oh my god like please tell me like they just found those books there. I was like, that's an amazing story. <laughs> no, it's not a real book. Around that. <laughs> I was like, not, I yeah, can totally see that as being a real thing, though. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad that it's not a real book, but it's it's not real. <laughs> yeah, because I I, I'm a, I teach school, you know, and so I see textbooks every day of my life, you know. Oh, okay. And so it was, like, designed perfectly. So kudos <laughs> to your art director because that is a spot-on yeah. representation yeah, of a book. Yeah, she's uh, great. She's great. <laughs> so um, I guess I got to talk a little bit about the characters. Um, I'm, you know, you played Dax. Um, how how difficult was it to? Well, first of all, how difficult was it to sort of wear all the hats? So you wrote it, you were directing it, yeah. you starred in it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, just so much. I mean, I. I always joke that the only reason I make movies is so I can be in them. Um, Cause I am originally trained as an actor and I love acting. I absolutely love it. But in making my movie, especially the dead can't dance, I got to spend the least amount of time on acting. You know, we're setting up shots and everyone has questions and we're trying to get everything going and get it all situated. And then suddenly I'm like, Oh, I'm in this. I have to act now. It's like, okay, what are my lines? I mean, you know, who wrote this thing? Uh, so yeah. It's a, it is a lot of hats to wear. It's a lot to keep uh, all organized um, just in my head. Um, but I had a really great crew, uh, had a really good DP that I uh, trusted um, and really solid assistant director crew that I couldn't have done this without them. Uh, so, And the cool thing is like, I don't know how I lucked into having these people by my side that just want to make a good movie, you know, and uh, it's, like a lot of people show up and say, Hey, I want to, I want to help on your movie. And I was like, okay. And they show up and they think it's going to be a big party and it's not, I mean, we take it very seriously. I mean, we have fun of course, but it's also work. It's a lot of work. It's a hard job. And they discover that and then disappear. You know, <laughs> We never yeah. hear from them again, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of hats to wear. And then, and then after like, I, and then I edited it also. So I was, totally involved just in all aspects of the production. Uh, but also I'm a control freak. <laughs> I like to have my hands on as much as possible of, of what we're doing. So, but it also, it also, I think it, it helped me become a better editor 
um, hopefully a better director. And then, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I learned a little something from every, every film we do. So I learned a lot from that one too. Yeah. Well, you, you have a great cast. Uh, I have to say that, um, you know, what, like I said, yourself is, as uh, a Dax and then um, uh, Ray, uh, I, I'm assuming he is related to you. <laughs> Yeah, that's my that's my brother in real life. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I, I kept trying to look up information about him, and I couldn't. I mean, the only other information I yeah. have on him was he won um, like an acting award for uh, well, I think it was Dancing on the Moon, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, yeah. The, the really, rivalry was so real, is what I was getting at. So I was just curious as how much was that all scripted, or was some of that ad lib too? No, it's all it's all scripted. Uh, but there's not really any sibling rivalry between us. I mean, we're friends and we get along. I mean, he lives in Oklahoma. I live in Wichita, but uh, no, I mean, that, that that sibling rivalry is not real. I mean, it, it might've been at one point, you know, growing up or whatever, but now yeah. it's it doesn't exist. And, and even when we were shooting the film, it, it didn't exist. Um, but he, he's really good. He's, he's a really natural actor. Um, for Dancing on the Moon, I wrote his character for, for him, with him in mind and had him do, uh, table reads script reads very early on and I can just tell he was he was going to be able to do it he was good and then I I mean I also wrote the dead can't dance uh Ray character for him also with him in mind and again had him do some readings I was like oh yeah okay this is totally fine the the thing though that that's hard to direct is uh he doesn't like to read the script until the very last minute so it's as fresh as possible um which is cool but so there's like a happy medium. So like one character might take a minute to warm up and one character is all fresh and you just kind of have to find a happy medium where they connect and not one way or another. So yeah, it's just it's just a hard thing in general to direct, to keep the energy going and, and equalize it. And, uh, but yeah, but yeah. He hasn't really done any acting since then. Um, he just hasn't had a chance, but. Yeah. Well, he has such a natural like comedic timing to like all the lines that you had written and yeah. you just nailed them. Like <laughs> yeah. I just laugh and laugh when like you were in the car and you're like, you better call somebody. And he's like, hello, what's going on? He's like, <laughs> Grace Dixon's from outer space. <laughs> I'm still nice. laughing that, that I've seen, like I said, I've seen this movie uh, just <laughs> recently, you know, like six or seven times and I'm still laughing at it. So he, he does such a wonderful job. And yeah, I was just curious as to kind of what he was up to. But uh, he said he hasn't done any more acting or doesn't plan on it. But um, no. yeah, he is fantastic in this movie. And then uh, I guess TJ, um, he was very soft-spoken and and uh, very quiet. And it, it kind of took me a few times to it's like, okay, I think that's his character. He mumbles mm. a lot. And, yeah. And he, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's my real life nephew. Um but I wrote that character for him too. Uh, he hadn't really acted before. He had been in a couple of my films, like in the background or a character that didn't talk, um, but he had never really done any acting before. And when I was heading into this, he asked me, he's like, could you maybe write me a role that has lines? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, okay, well, you know, how involved do you wanna be? I said, I'm thinking of making you this character. and. I had him read also. Um, not that I didn't trust them, you know, but I just wanted to make sure they could do it. Um, so yeah, no, I wrote I wrote Eddie for him too and kind of played to his, 
character traits anyway. He's kind of soft-spoken. He doesn't really mumble, but he's he can be soft-spoken and he's pretty just really mellow and even keeled. And so, yeah, I, I incorporated some of his real life uh, traits into the character of Eddie. Yeah, that's another thing, another kind of beautiful thing that I, I, I found in your film is like all these characters are so relatable. Like we all know just, you know, in our communities, we know people that are just like like what's up what you're seeing on screen yeah and so it's it's amazing to see that you know especially kind of where we're at today with you know television shows like um rutherford falls and obviously reservation dogs but you were doing that you know 10 years or 11 years ago yeah so it's it's amazing like you're on the forefront of that and (laughs) i try to give you as much credit for that as i possibly can because thank you Nobody was doing that at the time. I mean, um, I guess maybe with with Miko. I mean, just my local people that I know, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was trying to think, but I can't come up with any other, you know, examples right off the top of my head. So, like I yeah. said, like, it's just, I mean, what at the time, like, was, were you hearing any kind of like, um, like, oh, this is the the new, you know, this is the new wave or, or of native filmmaking or or are we still sort of stuck in the leather feather type roles, you know, back then? Yeah, probably we're we're still stereotyped and sort of, you know, relegated to certain types of characters. We always have been, but you know, one of one of my goals is to see more native people represented in mass pop culture. And one of the ways I want to do that is uh write and write stories that you might not normally see a native person in um like a zombie film or a time travel movie or you know my short uh one of my shorts is called the incredible brown indian and it's about this just average native guy who decides to become the world's first superhero you know he doesn't have any powers or anything he just decides to put on a suit and be a hero you know so i just uh just want to i don't want to i don't want to roll around in the in the cliches and and i want to make fun of them and i think I think that's happening more now, especially with uh, the you know pop culture that's happening now with natives surrounding natives uh, with, with with those shows and like ad campaigns and uh, video about a girl skateboarding in her native regalia. You know, it just just you know went crazy. So I think right now there's a lot of a lot of uh, things happening uh, just for native people more exposure. Um, and it's still, I think it's, it's great. I think it's awesome, but we're still battling some of the same tropes that we're always going to have to battle. I mean, just like, like yesterday was Halloween and, uh, I was walking downtown and I saw an Indian dress. I was like, how, what, how, what are you doing? You know, how, why do you think this is okay? And it's so, we still, I mean, we've made a lot of, we've made up some ground, but we still got a lot to do a lot to fight against and a lot to change. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't trying to be offensive. I mean, he didn't intentionally wasn't trying to hurt anyone or whatever. But I mean, for some reason, people think that's still okay. It's like, didn't you see that that they changed that sports team name or you know whatever? But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's a lot to it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to to battle against. But I think it's slowly happening. Just that a lot of the current filmmakers, uh, you know, Sterling and 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 I'll just. Taika Waititi was winning the Oscar was huge for indigenous filmmakers. So I think things are changing uh, for the better. 
Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I'm so excited to see that. And I think you are exactly where it's like the right time for, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, be able to check out some of your later stuff. I know I want to see Red Hand because like you said, I've never seen, um, you know, too many. I don't think I've seen any science fiction time travel <laughs> films featuring native characters. And right. I just covered uh, Totsu, uh, which was Jeremy Charles, where it's like a post-apocalyptic. It's a short. I don't know if you've seen that. No. Natalie Standing Cloud. Um, I oh, think, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you go to my um, Instagram page, the Skoda underscore cinema, I okay. think the link is still up there. The okay, cool. Video link. So check it out. It's it's amazing. Okay, yeah. So I'm super excited to see excuse me, all these new projects that uh, all these, you know, creative native people are, are, are coming up with. So, um, yeah, just, that's awesome. Just, yeah. Um, I'm even like, so I'm, I'm starting my own native film festival here in Wichita. It happens in a couple of weeks. So I've been hard at work on that. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited to, to show these films, you know, show this work that people have no ideas out there. And it's such great work. I mean, it's not like, par level i mean it's it's really good work it's beautiful it's funny it's you know it's really solid work it's uh and just people have no ideas out there so for this first year i'm hoping it's going to be an annual thing it's called the alternative film festival and for this first year i'm curating it just from my travels and filmmakers i've met just with things that i think need to be seen so i'm super excited to uh to be another venue for these kind of stories and and these artists uh and show their work so yeah that's i'm super excited about about that so oh what is that going to be that's november 12th through the 14th here in wichita at the mid-america all indian museum oh thank you that's awesome so if anybody is out there in the wichita area or within a few hours driving distance yeah please check that out we'd like to get a big a big crowd for that support support what you're doing and support all these native filmmakers out there so that's yeah. awesome. Thank you. So I'm, Thank I'm you. glad yeah. that you're doing that. Yeah, we're lucky, you know, like you said, um, living sort of where we live, Wichita, where there's, a, you know, there's a, a, an audience for that type of thing. You know, we have the Circle Cinema here in Tulsa because I'm located in Tulsa and they always do like a native spotlight series where they're constantly showing shorts or, you know, they'll bring in features and, um, you know, showcase these, cool. these native actors, native filmmakers, native directors. It's yeah, it's just exciting times. And I'm so, I never, yeah. honestly, I never thought I would see the day. <laughs> and that sounds, you know, kind of sad, you know, but like, I'm so excited. Like I, I stumble over my words sometimes because I, I can't express my joy <laughs> to see these, you know, people finally, finally, you know, getting, getting their dues. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to see that too. And to, to, to hopefully be a part of it, you know, hopefully keep telling stories and, and hopefully this film festival takes on for years. I hope we're just getting started. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm super proud to be a part of it. So that is awesome. And then you, like you said, you just had a screening of uh, the 11th anniversary of the dead can't dance at the, was it the Orpheum? That we're yeah, it was the, Orpheum, I was at the Orpheum theater here in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Did you see, like, get a lot of, well, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, did you get a lot of first time people that had never seen the film before? Yeah, yeah, we did. And uh, yeah, we did. And and I, that's another reason why I wanted to show it for its 11th anniversary is like to 
turn new people onto it, you know, who were maybe only five, 10, 11 years ago or something, you know? Uh, so yeah, it was kind of nice to, um, to hear from people who hadn't seen it uh, to get their reactions. And yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I did also notice about the film, just to kind of go back to it really quick, just kind of circling back around, I guess, yeah. is um, the portrayal of the zombies was, again, something that I had never seen before where they're kind of coherent and they're almost like childlike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, with their playfulness. Yeah. With I, I guess they call him stupid zombie because that's what you guys, I think that's what he's credited as. Yeah, it is. But that guy was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, he was great. I, I wrote that role for him, too. I mean, he, he asked me, he's like, I want to be in your zombie film. It's like, OK, well, I have this role. I'm thinking about putting you as and he's like, oh, my God, yes, that's perfect. And so like so in the in the script, it's not spelled out because he doesn't talk. But um, yeah. when the zombie virus hit, he has a cold. So he doesn't get all the way zombified or whatever. Oh, and, OK. And he was the owner of a novelty shop. That's why he's wearing the I'm with stupid shirt. And that's why he's always has <laughs> toys. Yeah. So that's all backstory for him, but it's not spelled okay. out in the film. But yeah. Well, I and that's, 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 yeah. That he sneezes in the film. So I was just like, oh, okay. So I, I thought that was going to pay off somewhere. But he's like, oh, like Eddie was like, oh, I get it. You're sick. But I never yeah. figured out like, like that was why he was still sort of coherent with the cell phone and the music sound and. Yeah, he didn't get all the way zombified. <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's something else. Like, you just, I've never seen that in a zombie film, you know, like <laughs> having, because normally you think they're just like, you know, these ravaging, you know, like, oh, yeah, hungry for brains and they're just almost like animal like. And these zombies weren't like that at all. And <laughs> no, just, and yeah. I, I'm, yeah, and I'm a fan of the slow zombies, you know, instead of the super fast ones. Uh, I like the, yeah. I like the slow ones. They, they seem to have more humor to them or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to say about the film? Or Because like I said, I don't really have any questions prepared. I just thought we could just kind of have a discussion about it. No, I mean, that's, yeah. That... No, that's totally fine. I mean, uh, the cool thing about it is like, uh, so yeah, it did come out in 2010. We had our world premiere and then uh, we had a nice festival run uh, with it. We went to, it went to Italy and Canada and uh, all over the country. And that's so why I got to travel to a lot of different places and, and meet a lot of different filmmakers. And then after that, it kind of just, it just kind of lived on, you know, it, we kept calling it the zombie film that wouldn't die. Um, <laughs> it just, it just kind of took on a life of its own and sort of became a cult classic sort of thing. And, and then, uh, and then, and that had kind of sort of started to die down. That's another reason why I wanted to show it was just, you know, kind of renew some interest in it. I mean, it's got, I, I don't even know how many plays it has on YouTube now, but it's in the, you know, hundreds of thousands now, which is pretty cool. Um, so awesome. yeah, it just kind of just keep, keeps living on, which I think is great. You know, I don't, I don't care. I'm like, yes, bootleg it, share it, you know, get it, share with your friend. I don't care. Just, just get it out there. So yeah, um, I think that's cool. I mean, you know, the reason we make movies is for them to be seen. I mean, nobody's doing this to get rich. Um, just want to do it uh, just want to make movies and, and tell stories and and i like doing it with native people um not all of my films uh, are native centric a lot of my shorts aren't um but i just i love i just love movies and just want to keep making them so <laughs> that's awesome well you're good at it so don't ever oh. stop <laughs> well, thank you 
Oh, I won't give up. I'm too stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we're going to come to the time where we're going to play a game that I have um, kind of labeled as, as the Ridiculous Six, the Skoden Cinema Ridiculous Six. And it's in an effort to sort of reclaim or rebrand um, the Ridiculous Six from the horrible, uh, misanthropic, uh, dead-eyed Adam Sandler film uh, that that uh, came out a few years ago. So, um, yeah, basically what this is, is just a series of six opinionated questions um, about cinema. So there's no wrong answers. And... Uh, some of them are serious, some of them are lighthearted, some of them are ridiculous, but they're all a lot of fun. So are you are you game for wanting to, to play the Ridiculous Six? Yeah, sure, sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, so these are just random questions that I've come up with. They're just, I have them written out on note cards. Uh, and so I'm just going to draw them right off the, 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 the top of the, of the pile here. So uh, question number one, uh, if you could mash up two movies into the ultimate team up, uh, what would they be? Oh, well, off the top of my head. Uh, um, I, I, okay, so I, I think one of my favorite films is Logan's Run which is a, you know, a futuristic, uh, futuristic journey about this Sandman who's a cop, but they call him Sandman. I thought that would be cool. Maybe that would be cool to mash up with like Lethal Weapon, <laughs> make it a full-blown comedy cop buddy thing only in the future, you know, where there's flying cars and stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. Nobody steal that. That's all his. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine. That's, that's awesome. All right, question number two. Um, what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? Oh, I don't know what I'd tell my yesterday self. 15-year-old um, self, um, relax. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, you're in a weird spot. Your body's changing. <laughs> it's all natural. <laughs> fine, relax. Uh, and just be yourself, you know. Don't worry about what other people think. Uh, just be yourself. And that's enough. That's more than enough. That's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, what is your favorite movie featuring the undead? Uh, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> well, while we're on that subject, though, and I did mention it. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the show that I did, um, the deep dive on The Dead Can't Dance. But I noticed a lot of Jim Jarmusch influence in your work. And I, I, was that intentional or, or does he have any type of influence over your work? It's not completely intentional, but I appreciate him. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. definitely appreciate him and some of his stylistic choices and camera choices. And I like, I like to sort of mesh a bunch of different directors up into kind of my own style, I guess. So yeah. yeah, there's definitely he has impacted my work uh, in in some ways uh, as well as other directors have. But yeah, I mean it's like um, I'm a fan of long takes, uh, so I wanted to do a lot of the a lot of the scenes in in one long continuous take, like the opening when the people fall down. I mean that was all done in one take. Uh, so yeah, I, and I'm a fan of I like what you don't show is scarier than what you do. Uh, 
Um, so there's this long pullback in the bathroom and the Clooney character just got bit and he's just realizing it. So that's all one long, one long take and it kind of sets up an eerie tone for the rest of the film. So yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely some influences there. Yeah, I, I, I again, I picked up on that. And I was just like, oh, well, there's a train whistle or trains because there's <laughs> almost a train in like every movie that he has. And I was like, that's like the linchpin of the movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like the train saves the day, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so no, there's, no, like no. That, there's like the static shot where like what you're saying, like where uh, when Ray goes into the house to get the shotgun, and he like you don't you just he walks through the door and there's that long take and the camera never moves and it never goes inside and you hear the sounds and he comes out and it's like man yeah. I'm sick of these white zombies <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah so awesome thank you <laughs> oh, that was so great okay uh, question number four what is your favorite Steven Seagal performance <sighs> I can't think of any. Favorite Steven Seagal performance. Um, I don't. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just because you're not a fan, or there's just so many that you can't can't just name one? He's just so good, I can't narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> He's intense. <laughs> All right. Question number five. Why didn't Kiss make any more movies? Kiss the rock band? Yeah. Yeah. They only made one movie. <laughs> Kiss Meets the Phantom. Was the the one in the, the amusement park? Yeah. They only made okay, one. I remember I remember that vaguely. Um <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't make another one. <laughs> I read Ace. I don't know how much of a Kiss fan you are, but I actually ended up reading um Ace Freely's book and he talked about the making of that movie and how ridiculous and how they were just like out of and he was out of his mind at the time, like with drugs <laughs> oh. and alcohol. Oh, I bet. And they actually shot like scenes because it was you know he has the, the face paint on, and it was yeah. like a like an African American guy in some of the scenes, just standing in for him because he was like so incoherent he couldn't even like be on the <laughs> set. <laughs> so it's like that's I guess funny. maybe that's why they didn't make any more movies. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. So uh, question number five, what genre films uh, would you like to see more of featuring native characters or elements or themes? Um, comedies. I think uh, straightforward comedies, a buddy road trip, tribal cop comedy would be awesome. Uh, I, I think most people don't appreciate the humor that native people have and how funny they are. Um, so I think uh, comedy would definitely be a, a genre uh, to showcase that. And, and you know, who knows if that doesn't become the breakout blockbuster hit, you know, the, uh, you know, the, like I said, lethal weapon of native, native, native people with native people, I mean, so, I mean, and, and the thing about movies is it, it's a business. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it takes something successful like reservation dogs to draw in producers and networks and and movie studios to think, oh, this is going to make us money. Okay, people want to see this. Let's make more. You know, let's do other things. So, hope you know, comedies are, are big. You know, big revenue makers. So maybe that would be the way to go. Yeah, that's like the only like sort of not really wouldn't call it a fear, but just like concern. I guess I would have with the success of you know 
reservation dogs or, or even Rutherford Falls is, you know, Hollywood is so quick to like cash in on anything that's hot. And I would hope that, you know, they would just sort of like keep their hands away out of that cookie jar. <laughs> Cause like you, I oh, just yeah. fear of like them doing something like that mm-hmm. with those same types of characters, but getting it wrong, you know? And so like, I, I don't know, that was just one kind of, I guess, concern um, that I would no, have it is. with the success of things like this. So. It is. It's definitely a concern uh, because the minute something flops, it's it's done. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all done. Yeah. And, and especially on, on a project like that, I mean, it's, they'll pull, you're right, they'll pull the plug quick. And that's, yeah. I hate that yeah. so much. So anyway, um, I'll just keep pulling for it. I try to get the biggest audience that I can like watch this even like my my non-native friends like you have to watch this if you have questions I will help you answer them but you are going to love this show cool good I do too yeah (laughs) but anyway all right so our final question though is um hey let's let's you and I make a biopic who are we going to choose as our subject how a biopic of anyone uh A native person or anyone? Anybody that you wanted. <laughs> um, huh. I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a biopic of uh... I was going to say Alfred Hitchcock. No, there's been movies about Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, but I don't think there's ever been a like a documentary about his life or anything. Not that I know I of. There, maybe there been a, maybe there is. Yeah, so. I don't know if there's been a documentary. I know was it uh, Anthony Hopkins was in one uh, called Hitch. I think was the name of it. Yeah. Not, not, not yeah. the Will Smith Hitch. No. <laughs> Short for Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that wasn't really that wasn't a biopic either. I mean, that was about that one film, right? Whichever one it was, I can't remember. I can't. No, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. I, I would, <laughs> I would like to think about that. <laughs> well, that's why we call it the ridiculous six because it's a pretty ridiculous question. But, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you playing uh, and, and being game for that. And I just also want to say, Mado, for 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 taking some time out to talk to me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed chatting with you and, and getting to know you over the course of this hour. And I, I look forward to all of your future projects and all your future success, I, I hope for you. So um, if you want to, you know, sort of shout out, you know, where people can find you. Um. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so my website is uh, rodzilla.com. It's R-A-W-D-Z-I-L-L-A.com. Uh, my YouTube channel is live. You just search for my name, Roderick Popa, watch it. It pops right up. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all the regular, you know, places. Uh, and uh, like I said, my film festival is coming up. It's alternativefilmfestival.org. I'm literally working on the website right now, posting the lineup. So, yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, like I said, we'll have to do this again, maybe, um, maybe after uh all what is it uh apocalypse then wins some awards <laughs> we'll have oh, to thanks. come back and, and do it again we don't, i don't want to have to wait 11 more years to no, talk no. about the dead can't dance again <laughs> no thank you i've enjoyed this thank you
So, well, all right. Thank you so much, sir. And okay. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you later. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> see you later. Oh my God. <laughs> well, yeah, you just heard me stammer and fanboy my way through that interview with Mr. Poco watch it. But I tell you what, it was a lot of fun and I cannot wait to have him back on the show. Uh, if you've never seen The Dead Can't Dance, I've posted a link in the bio section of my uh, Instagram account, which is uh, skoden underscore cinema. Go there and, and click that link and, and, and laugh your ass off like just like I did. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to Rodzilla um, on YouTube. And there you can find um, the, the, the Dead Can't Dance, among others. Uh, the Incredible Brown Indian is on there. Uh, Dancing on the Moon is on there and um, like I said just just hours of, of entertainment uh, speaking of hours of entertainment I've got a lot planned for this coming month uh, meet me back here in a couple of weeks where we will discuss the film Clear Cut and if you have not seen Clear Cut please do so um, in the next few weeks because I'm going to spoil the crap out of that one for you and hey man if you haven't seen that movie that, that movie is a real ripper uh, you got to check that movie out. In fact, um, it just got a, uh, what am I trying to say, like a, a remaster, I guess. Uh, Severn Films um, is redoing this film and including it in a box set. Uh, it's a full-core box set. I want to say it's like a 10-disc set of just a bunch of different um, full-core films from all over the world. And I'm super excited about this because Clear Cut is a part of that set. And not only do you get Clear Cut, you get um, a lot of supplemental uh, features uh, about Clear Cut, including like a making of, there's audio commentaries, there's an uh, interview with the director before he passed away. And then you're also going to get uh, a few other Native American, uh, Canadian, uh, First Nations inspired uh, horror films uh, that has never been seen before. And so I'm super stoked about that. Don't tell my wife because the price tag is a little bit steep, but definitely worth it to support these types of films so that we can have access to them and, and definitely give them the dues that they so deserve. Uh, but then for December, we're going to be talking about War Party uh, starring Tim Sampson. And I have a super duper special surprise for you for that month as well. It's a Christmas present, if you will. Um, can't wait to bring that to you. So thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, don't forget to uh, find us on uh, Instagram at Skoden underscore cinema. Uh, uh, you can find the, pod, the podcast on Apple iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts from. Uh, and while you're there, don't forget to uh, like us, uh, rate us, review us, and give us a uh, uh, a five-star review so it helps other people find our show uh, so for everybody here at Skoden Cinema I wish you well Iagidi Jit Owasji Maro